HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Keeper. We're going to be talking today, yes, once again, we're going to be discussing some things about the Midwest, which you may or may not know. Um, My guest is the fabulous Keith Schneider, who is my favorite new guest, and I have him all the time just because I love all his articles. Keith Schneider, in case you haven't tuned into one of his previous episodes, edits and reports on the intersection of energy, food, water, and resources from across the United States and around the world. He is a former national correspondent and is a regular contributor to the New York Times. Keith also reports for The Guardian, ProPublica, National Geographic, Energy News Network, Manga Bay, one of my faves, The New Lead, another fave, and Circle of Blue, another fave. Circle of Blue's Choke Point Project, other reports by Keith, focused on Australia, India, Mexico, Mongolia, Panama, Peru, Qatar, South Africa, and the United States, and won the Rockefeller Foundation's $100,000 Centennial Innovation Award. Keith's other major prizes include two George Polk Awards for environmental and national reporting, and the New York Times nominated him for a Pulitzer Prize in national reporting for uncovering the deteriorated condition of the U.S. nuclear weapons production plants. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks an awful lot for joining us today. Um, So... To uh, keep up the pace on our our various uh, programs about water pollution in the Farm Belt, um, you published a new piece on January 31st, which discussed, um, shall we say, a newfound determination to pin down cancer numbers and causes in three primary Farm Belt states, um, and um, those would be Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Um, and um, just curious, is this like newfound information? interest in their burgeoning cancer cases, uh, a new development for those states, or have they been following this for a while? It's more um, uh, public, higher stature, more prominence than it's ever received, according to my sources, which include some really prominent scientists in all those states. So that, you know, the, the, the fact that cancer has kind of emerged 
there's a significant public health threat attached to the massive wave tides of both commercial fertilizer and manure being uh, spread on farmland and draining from farmland into streams and drains and rivers and into lakes and into the Mississippi. Big deal out there. It's and becoming a big deal. And and one of the reasons is the reporting that I've done and several other journalists have done in that area on this topic. And so right. I was told by David Swartney, who's a very prominent environmental a scientist at the University of Iowa, he told me, you know, your articles are having major impact. And I think that's what I want to hear, David. That's what I want to hear. That's why we're doing this. That's why you're doing it. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that an entire region, never mind one state, but three and really many more states than that in the Farm Belt, um, are struggling with these cancer numbers and variety of cancers um, that all seem to point towards agrochemical usage primarily. But um just to remind listeners of what we're talking about in terms of contamination, like what exactly is being suggested is the cause of these cancer clusters um, from agro-effluent? Well, the, the scientists and the researchers and the epidemiologists will tell you that it, you know nothing is certain, right? So cancer has many, many, many links to its sources and its causes, right? But yeah. nitrate contamination has been linked by scientists, many of them in the, in the farm belt, particularly at the University of Iowa, at, to bladder cancer, colorectal cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, and kidney cancers. So, um, And the cancer epidemic, uh, the cancer emergency in Iowa itself is, is extreme. I mean, some of the most prominent people in Iowa have cancer, right? So Kevin Reynolds, who's the, who's the governor, Kim Reynolds' husband, has cancer. cancer oh, really? Yeah. Senator Senator Rick Rick DeWitt, uh, pancreatic cancer. There's Whoa. a very prominent um, uh, TV anchor, uh, Kaylin Thompson, has breast cancer. The Iowa State University athletic director's name is Jamie Pollard, has t- t- testicular cancer. Right. So the fact is that that if you interview people in Iowa, um, Palo Alto, Iowa, Palo Alto, Can- Iowa County, has the second highest cancer incident in the country. Wow. And, and four other um, counties in Nebraska, all of them in north northeastern Nebraska, which also has high nitrate levels, are in the top 25. So the Midwest, the upper Midwest, the, can- the Corn Belt has become a site of what I call a cancer emergency. Now, how to, you know, what, what are epidemiologists and state health, depart- health authorities doing about this? Well, they're starting to react. But they're reacting in really strange ways. So yesterday... <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, the Iowa Cancer Registry, which is the group, the public health group that actually tracks cancer in Iowa, and has been, this is their 51st annual report, said that, again, that Iowa has the second highest cancer incidence in the country, and it's rising. It's one of five or six states, most of them in the upper Midwest, most of them Corn Belt states, that also have cancer incidence that is rising. But the, right. but the, the authors of this study say that one of the reasons this is happening is because of binge drinking. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yes, alcohol. So this whole, the whole panoply <laughs> of cancers. Uh, is now linked to binge drinking, which is, which is laughable as a journalist. Now, if you're a scientist yeah. and epidemiologist, you have to give all your you know, what-ifs, you know, what-ifs, we're not sure, all of the, all of the uh, excuses. But, right. So I looked up you know, binge drinking, alcohol, and cancer. And what, what the National Cancer Institute and the Centers for Disease 
you know, control and prevention says about alcohol and cancer is related to liver, mouth, esophageal, colon, liver, and breast cancer. So some of the cancers that are high in Iowa, the highest are breast, prostate, lung, and melanoma. Now, wow. only two of those are related to alcohol, right? right. The, the others are not related to alcohol. So, um, and, you know, there's a political reason that this is happening because agriculture rules, controls the state government, controls local government, controls the governor's office. I mean, it's, it's a state that where if you step out of line that, uh, and assert something that's antagonistic to the agricultural and industrial enterprise in Iowa, you suffer the fate. So last year, Chris Jones, a very prominent researcher who ran Iowa's uh, 66-station nitrate monitoring network, for stream contamination of nitrates was pushed out of his job at the University of Iowa. And the lawmakers decided to shut down the nitrate testing, nitrate monitoring network in Iowa at the same time where fertilizer use, manure spreading is increasing. And Iowa has the second highest cancer incident rates in the country and it's rising. So there is, you know, this, this yin and yang of, of uh, absurdity occur- occurring in Iowa, in my view, and so you know, one of the one of the focus of one of the places that I'm focusing on in my work is on health consequences of this c- massive contamination problem, and it's not just Iowa. Nebraska, which also has a very serious cancer incident attached to pediatric cancers and a very serious birth defect incidence. Is not does not take the same approach. So the lawmakers in Iowa and Nebraska have supported significant amounts of state investment in epidemiology, epidemiological work with the University of Nebraska Medical School to try to find the source of this. And Eleanor Rogan, who is an epidemiologist in Nebraska and is you know one of the leaders of this effort, just told me you know when you have high rates of nitrate, right? And you have high rates of cancer, you might want to take a look at what think what what's going on there. And that's what's right. happening. Nebraska. So they don't have the same antagonistic view of you know the health effects on their population. Although didn't wasn't it Nebraska and this happened I think in December, but a young Asian woman was reporting on CAFOs in Nebraska and I believe the governor there has owns a very large facility and uh you know she put she wrote this it was oh god i'm so senile now it's like i can help you with it if you want with that. yes thank you go ahead tell so, us what it was so the flat water free press flat water free press thank you as a young chinese reporter um who reports on these issues which is one of the reasons that there's more attention to this in the in in the uh, corn belt um reported that the governor, Jim Pillen, um, is one of the largest, if not the largest, producer of hogs from confined animal facilities and also is a major polluter of nitrates. So when asked in a news conference late last year about this, he, you know, denigrated her as Chinese. You know, what does she know? She's Chinese. What a racial slur. A racial slur. Instead of answering the question. Right. Uh, And now as a journalist, you kind of want that to happen, right? (laughs) Because it wanted to do it. It brought national attention to her work and to that issue and to his polluting. So Right. You know, in the in the in the in the aggregate, it was a plus. I think when you know, when yeah, governors my, step out my, that way. My point was is that it's not. Yeah. I mean, Iowa is not the only one wants to shut down these questions. Well, I mean, then, yeah, the, the, all these states are are yeah. grappling. Nobody with this wants question. this information to come out. Minnesota, for example, 
you point out in your article, has spent over $100 million a year for the last 15 years trying to manage their water pollution, but their contamination levels continue to rise. Right. So, you know, whatever it is that is going on is not cutting the mustard. But let's let's dial it back for a second because I really want to let people understand what is going on. So right now, nitrates, which are implicated in blue baby syndrome, so very dangerous for young, very the very young and the very elderly, um, uh, is one big aspect of what happens when you have too many nitrates. But the parts per million at the moment are currently regulated at 10 parts per million. And yet, as you point out, very rarely is that enforced. And many, many places have many times more that level of pollution. So can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, so let's take Southeast Minnesota. Southeast Minnesota has a nitrate contamination problem in which wells for 9,000 people there, according to data from the EPA and from the the state um, pollution control agency, nitrate levels there can go 30 parts per million, three times that's federal standard. But science will tell you, scientists will tell you that have been studying this, that five parts per million is dangerous. If you're drinking uh-huh. water regularly at five parts per million nitrates, you're, you know, you're endangering your health and anybody else's drinking that water. You know, I did a piece last year about a cancer cluster in southern Minnesota yeah. along a road, right. County Road B in Dodge County, in which nitrate levels in the, in the wells the, the the families that were suffering very high rates of cancer. I mean, I, you know, there were lots of cancers in the four family that I right. studied. The, the well water was, there was as high as thirty five parts per million. Right. Um, so, uh, so what in Minnesota legislators? Uh, Rick Hansen, who's a House member, he's the head of the House Environmental Committee, is is proposing legislation to try to fix that. And one of the things he wants to do is to tax commercial fertilizer, you know, issue a tax on commercial fertilizer use that could raise millions of dollars. Now, this EPA last year, at the behest of several environmental groups there, you know, directed the state health department, the state pollution control agency, and the state agriculture department to deal with this. And in, in November, I think, or December, those three agencies issued a response in which they said, one, they're going to alert people that have high nitrates in their water. Two, they're going to provide families that have those high nitrates and are drinking that water alternative freshwater sources for their drinking water. But three, they're going to institute um, what are called best management practices, right? They're going to require require more cover crops and more strip rows along streams that don't work. So they're going back to the same old toolbox that doesn't work in order to try to slow or eliminate contamination that's occurring. And the last piece of this is like any other pollution, when you get it into the groundwater, it's there forever. You basically can't clean it up. So so much of Southeast Michigan's water is already contaminated with high levels of nitrate. And and, in the aquifers in which the water is being drawn, that one alternative is just to go deeper. So these wells are a million or two million dollars. So Oof. community communities that have this problem that have you know rural water districts and you know provide water for their for their citizens have you know are stymied. What do we do here? We've got you know two million dollar problem here, three million dollar problem here to solve our problem. So this is a really 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 tough tough question. Let me just tell you, you know, in Iowa, Iowa has a cancer incidence of 486.8 new cancers per 100,000 people, right? 486.8. The U.S. is 403. So Iowa's cancer incidence is already 21% higher than the national cancer incidence, right? Wow. There are, according to the data issued yesterday, 
by the Iowa Cancer Inc. There will be 21,000 new cancer cases this year in Iowa. 21,000. Wow. 50 years ago, there were 10,140 new cases a year. Wow. Now listen to this. That's, there are more than twice as many new cancer cases now than there were 50 years ago, but the state's population has only increased 14% in that time. Right, but the population of hogs and the amount of corn and soy that is being grown across the state, which... I mean, quadrupled. Where they use a huge amount of nitrate as fertilizer. And then also atrazine, um, another another agrochemical, which I believe is used as a pesticide, right? As herbicide, Um, yes, in corn. Oh, as an herbicide, excuse me. Um, That is also implicated in some of these cancer clusters. You know what, Keith, let's take a short break um, and we'll come right back with Keith Schneider, but we have to do a sponsor drop. But I want to get into like what the, you know, what the studies are, what's been, what have they been doing in all this time as these cancer incidents have risen. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Keith Schneider. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, Get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin Wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Okay, so... We have these various agrochem, and I'm sure it's not just nitrates. It's just that those are the most, that's the most. Because it's like, how many billions of pounds of nitrate fertilizer go on to, say, the average, I mean, you know, say in Iowa, I forget. I know you quoted the statistic, and of course, I haven't retained it. But um, but I've retained enough to remember to tell you, <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> fertilizer, commercial fertilizer use, most of it in the corn belt because corn is the most heavily fertilized crop, has been is grown 120 million pounds a year right. since 2000, right? And the amount of fertile, and amount of manure, most of the manure spread in the United States is also spread in the corn belt. You know, the latest figure that I have is 1.4 billion tons. That's 300 million more tons than there was in 2007. Right. So, the, so as we increase the amount of, of, of nitrogen-rich commercial fertilizer and manure, the cancer rates have increased now, uh, you know, and and the data, the research on nitrates and cancer is pretty pretty powerful. Bunch of it coming out of the University of Iowa with a scientist named Peter Wire who is retired. Well, let's let's talk exactly about that. So, like, how how many people does he typically include in a study where he looks at incidents of cancer, say, across a county like Palo Alto County? Well, he's he's using statewide a statewide cohort. I see. So, okay. you know, there's a women's there's a women's cohort that has tens of thousands of people in it that's been studied for decades. And uh-huh. he was he was he was dealing with I think there are 40 or 50,000 
women in this study that has started, you know, they're, you know, they've tracked these women for decades. Mm. And, you know, one of his studies says that bladder cancer in women has increased significantly as a result of nitrates. And he's tracked also the nitrate levels. So, uh-huh. and so why are Peter Wire, the University of Iowa has had really big stake in this, but the University of Iowa hasn't put out a new study on, on cancer and nitrates since he retired. He retired, um, we're 26 years ago, you know, five, six years ago. Wow. The, the, the strongest data that's coming out is coming out in Europe. The, oh, the, really? Yeah. I mean, National Cancer Institute, last time, you know, the last time that they took a look at this was, I think, 2018. So, so you know, if you go to uh, Netherlands, Germany, have very strong uh, data on this and the relationship with cancers and nitrates, and I say that the bladder, bladder, colorectal, breast, prostate, kidney are the big, big cancer, and mm. those are the cancers that are rising. Incidents are rising in, in the corn bill. Mm-hmm. So and atrazine is atrazine is, is 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 attached to this. That's what they're looking at in right. Nebraska. They're looking at the, the relationship, synergistic relationship between nitrate high levels in water and atrazine in water. Right. Right. And you know nobody ever talks about this, and this is a problem with the FDA in general. Um, but they don't often study the the conjunction of two chemicals, right? Like they often don't look at the impacts of, uh, you know, one pill's use um, as it connects with another pill medication that you're using, for example, or that they might tweak something in a medication and that will have a completely different impact than they might, might, they might expect. And the same is true of these agrochemicals. When they put them together, there's no study that I'm aware of you know, Monsanto or DuPont has not gone in to say, well, if I mix nitrate and, and atrazine, what's the result going to be on human health? Nobody's no. doing that, right? Not, not required, right. That, you know, not required. But that's what they're looking at in Nebraska. So one of the, one of the first, you know, serious, scientifically sound um, research projects is ongoing in Nebraska. And the, and the funding for it is coming out of the legislature. So that's really important what's happening in Nebraska on this. Right, right. Now, in Des Moines, and people who have listened to my show for a long time know that I was a great fan of Phil Stowe, who was the director of the Des Moines mm-hmm. Waterworks. And um, as you know very well, Keith, um, but to remind listeners, Bill brought a suit against uh, Upriver Counties um, because he said that the pollution that was coming down from their um, farms, um, whether it was a CAFO or whether it was a corn or soy farm, um, was having a tr- such an impact on Des Moines water that they couldn't actually pay to process all of these chemicals out of the water. And the suit went all the way to the Iowa Supreme Court where it was tossed um, for reasons I don't fully understand, never did. Well, I, I'm not sure that's quite true. It was a federal, it was a federal lawsuit in which the federal district court judge uh, oh, that's dis- right. Dismissed the case in tw- it was brought in 2015. Dismissed the case in 2017. That's right. The, the lawsuit was attacked by the governor as a as a, a you know act of war on rural Iowa. That's what he said. An act of yep. war on rural Iowa. It was war it was ta- on farms. Yes. It was tossed because they tossed it because the state law said that you know you can't you can't bring a suit like that against a county. So the the, the district brought counties were immunized from these kinds of lawsuits. So it was dismissed. But it, but when Bill and his and his and his board sued those three counties, they knew they knew what a furor it would cause. Yeah. But they 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 you know they thought they had a case under the Clean Water Act. They don't. 
And of course, Bill died of cancer. So there's another yeah. very prominent Iowan who died of cancer. And died very quickly. I yeah. mean, he was like, you know, from diagnosis to death, it couldn't have been more than six or seven months. So one of the pieces, really Katie, Katie, this is this is so serious. You know, I've been doing this a long time and I've also written about cancers and environmental causes, right? I mean, you know, yeah. so this is really serious. You go into any any county in Iowa and you talk to people and they will tell you about they know so many people within their own families and within their yeah. neighbors' families and within their friends' families who have cancer. I mean, I just listed, you know, some of the prominent people in Iowa have cancer. Sure. This is a really serious thing. And how the state is going to deal with this is, um, are they going to deal with it? And right now, the legislature is going the other way in terms of dealing with this. The Iowa legislature, yeah. um, there's a yin and yang there too. Let me, let me back up. One is there are a couple of Democrats, one in the House, Austin Bates, who's a medicine, medical physician, who's right. proposed some legislation to increase the funding for epidemiological research in Iowa. And those, those bills are backed by several state senators. So you have some movement in the legislature to begin to deal with this from the Democrats. But on the Republican side, who control the legislature, they're going the other way. They're about – they're – proposing rules that will allow the big livestock operations to essentially spread manure without restriction. Now, there are hardly any restrictions on manure spreading in Iowa right. as it is, but those restrictions that exist are going to be nullified under bills proposed by these legislatures. And as I said, they're moving very quickly to dismantle the uh, statewide 66 uh, station nitrate monitoring network that Chris Jones was hired to, to establish, and he did, and then got booted because of what he was writing about it. Right. He got forced out by what? So I was, at what point do Iowans, you know, resist this? Uh, I don't, you know, in, in terms of really significant civic activism. Well, I mean, it's coming because there's more attention to it now than there's been ever in Iowa and in Minnesota and in Nebraska. Right. And, and that doesn't alleviate also Wisconsin, Ohio, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of states that have very high. I mean, I looked into this, you know, in preparation for this show. It's like there's it's not just these three states that are reporting high incidence of cancer. Well, it's Iowa, pretty much all the farm bill well, states. Yeah, well, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Let me say it again. Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio, and Wisconsin, the heart of the Corn Belt, all have rising cancer incidents, right? right? There's only three states outside of the Corn Belt in which cancer incidence is rising. U.S. cancer incidence has, is falling. Those three states outside the Corn Belt are um, Arkansas, Louisiana, yeah. and West Virginia, right? Right. So, and all those states, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio, and Wisconsin, they're all near the top in cancer incidents, right? Five of the 15 states with the highest cancer incidents, five are in the Corn Belt. So, yeah, I it's mean, it's got to be telling you something if you're a legislator. <laughs> well, it's also where industrial agriculture has gotten the firmest foothold. Right? Yes. So, we have been in the United States developing an industrialized form of agriculture in which we have huge, huge farms, thousands and thousands of acres producing two crops, corn and soybeans, right? And yeah. we've also industrialized our meat and milk production. So all those animals, most of them are now raised indoors. And in 2022, the Biden administration, Biden president and Congress, you know, in the infinite wisdom decided as part of the climate provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act, 
put are going to put ninety billion dollars, ninety billion dollars to push agriculture to the center of American energy production. So we're going to have more corn, six million yeah. acres more corn, and we're going to produce methane from manure. So our CAFOs are going to get larger, and there's going to be more methane, more manure coming out them, and we're going to we're going to produce methane from that manure and a piece of equipment called a manure biodigester. Yeah. Those manure biodigesters produce digestate after they, you know, generate them. They cook the manure and they produce methane and the methane will be drawn off. But that digestate has more concentrated forms of nitrogen, more concentrated forms of phosphorus than manure, you know, liquid manure that goes into it. So where does that digestate go? Goes on mm-hmm. those fields to drain. Goes into right the water. onto the feeds. Yeah. One more right, point right. about this, Katie. That's really yeah. important. Manure biodigesters are the same biodigesting equipment that are attached to wastewater treatment plants or food processing plants or any place that has those biological wastes that need to be uh, treated. Right. If they're yeah. on, if those if that equipment is on a wastewater treatment plant, it's heavily regulated as a point source under the Clean Water Act, and it's right. heavily regulated as a air emission source under the Clean Air Act, right? So how you operate those that machines, what comes out of it, how you take care of the digest, the biosolids they call it, is all really heavily regulated. Put that same equipment on an agricultural operation, no no regulation. Digest right. is not like the air is not regulated. Michigan, my state of Michigan, is now the second largest developer of manure biodigesters outside of California. No and kidding. Who's, yeah, and who's doing the who's doing the work? Chevron. <laughs> Chevron. Excellent. The, and South Jersey <laughs> Industries, these two major fossil fuel companies right. are, have partnered with agriculture and big government to give you manure biodigestion that's financed by federal taxpayer dollars to the tune of billions. I mean, these these these, these things cost $20, 30000000 million a piece. Most yes. of it is publicly financed, right? And it's big oil. Big ag and big government. And you're thinking about, and it's unregulated. It's unregulated. Yeah, that's the amazing part of it is the lack of regulation. So but that, I just, I'm telling you, just, man, this is a national, I call this a national scandal. And <laughs> it's, you know, and, and the thing about it is, as a journalist, you know, it's an amazing story, right? We've been, this is what, the third time we've talked about this, right? Yeah. You think it's an amazing story. I think I it's do. an amazing story. And it I started, think it's amazing that these people have rolled over and let big ag do them <laughs> right up the you know what i mean i don't get it like well, people don't I understand don't it. it well it's 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 a hard story to report it's you know it's complicated it i mean i've been working at this now this is my third year of doing this i got yeah. a handle on it i can give you my elevator speech of what, what's going on here if you want go right ahead i think that's all right so we I, all need that right so how have we industrialized agriculture we've done in my view we've done three things one is we've eliminated, we've immunized agriculture from environmental oversight. That's so right. that allows that particularly, so you don't, you have to, you, there's no controls on how much of manure, how much pesticides, what you put on the land, right? There's no controls on it. There's very slim controls about how you spread manure, right? But there's no controls on how much you produce and what goes on. Very, very, so, so we've immunized agriculture from environmental Starting with the Reagan administration, we've stopped enforcing the antitrust regulations, antitrust enforcement. So we right. we've essentially eliminated antitrust oversight, and which mm-hmm. has allowed 
you know, Cargill and JBS, which is meat producers and Purdue and Purdue chickens. And so the, yeah. the whole sector is controlled by about like 20, 30 companies that, that we've oh, established. Not even. It's more like 16. Yeah. Right. Okay. We established these monopolies, which control legislatures and the Congress. And they have a lot of money to spread around and they yeah. don't have to spread that much money around. And the third thing we've done is we financed it with our farm bills. You know, we, the, US, right. the U.S. public has financed this, you know, lately $26, $28 billion out of the farm bill. And then we just put $90 billion into agriculture through the Inflation Reduction Act, the Climate Provisions and Inflation Reduction Act. The infrastructure law has, is financing carbon pipelines so that, you know, ethanol refineries can get rid of the CO2 that comes out, you know, producing ethanol. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we finance this industrialization in agriculture thinking that it's going to make us, you know, more food self-sufficient. Well, we are, but most of what we're growing now is not going into food. 40% no. of the corn crop is going into like ethanol, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're not sh- growing food for us. We're <laughs> yes. growing food for animals, and we're, which yeah. we then export. Right. And by the way, on my trip to Cuba, we don't do any trade with Cuba, yes. but guess whose chicken they're selling in their open market? American chicken. Of course. Where it's coming from must be Mexico. I don't know. But anyway. You know, the largest, largest hog producer is Chinese. So, you know, so yeah. in the in the 70s and 80s, we shipped all of our old equipment over there to pollute China. Now they came over here to, <laughs> to so that they can own the hogs that are polluting our water. You know, it's, that's it's, right. It's, it's a trade off, right? With the two yeah. countries. So the stories in this, I mean, you dig into this and the stories are just eye popping. Well, that's That's why I don't give up on this subject, because to me, it's just like, first of all, the bellwether for what's happening. Like, you know, I mean, other industries maybe cannot follow suit quite to the same extent. But I mean, essentially, it's like, wake up, people. Because water is a finite resource. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, no it's, two ways about it. We got to have it. Well, by by industrial by industrializing our agriculture, we've not made it stronger. We made it less resilient. I mean, we I have cl- we have climate change hanging out there, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, God forbid we have this incredible drought that, or or some virus that sweeps through the hog or dairy or milk production. I mean, and we've seen sure. it with the avian flu and the and the poultry industry. We've right. made We've instead of instead of making it more diverse, we've made this industry less diverse, more concentrated in fewer, fewer corporations that control legislatures that we've seen, you know, our ability to manage complicated problems in the United States has diminished significantly over the last, you know, during my lifetime, for sure. There's no there's no chance in America we, we can, you know, establish or pass a new Clean Water Act. I mean, we could solve this problem by changing the environmental regulatory provisions, requirements of air and water pollution. But the environmental community says we're not daring opening up the Clean Water and the Clean Air Act in the current Congress because we'd lose. We'd lose yeah. ground significantly. Yeah. So, I, you know, all I can say is what, what, what I'm trying to do, what, clearly what you're trying to do, is to elevate these complicated but really significant threats to public health and the environment to higher levels of public attention and people will begin to stir. And that's what's happening in the Corn Belt now, that people are stirring around this. And where it goes, I mean, we're going to keep going at it. Uh, the, the Flatwater Free Press in Nebraska, they haven't stopped doing this. You know, there right. are great, great websites out there. Investigate Midwest is amazing on this. Terrific on website. Yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. recommend that. Absolutely. Min, I min post, out at, min post, you know, out of, out of Minneapolis is really interested in this. The Guardian, 
is really interested in this. Yeah. I mean, I think the New York Times could help us a little bit, you know. (laughs) Uh I don't know who the New York Times is enthralled to. I really don't. I mean, I subscribe, but with less and less enthusiasm. Well, they did this wonderful piece on, they did this wonderful series on groundwater. They did. It was fantastic. It was really excellent. Then they get to Iowa and they don't mention a word, you know, they get to Iowa and they don't mention a word about the pollution. You know, yes, we have depletion in groundwater, but the other side of it is we have really significant pollution especially yeah. in the Corn Belt where they did, you know, one of those stories. So I don't know, you know, I've been writing for them for decades. So maybe I'll just get in touch with Kim Murphy at the, at the national desk and just, you, she know? Helped, you know, she, you know, you know, Kim, maybe we should look at this in a different way. Maybe, you know, yeah. She's very good. <laughs> well, I, I hope so. Because I mean, I did think that groundwater series was outstanding, Yeah, but it didn't go far enough because it sort of took the low hanging fruit, right? It didn't well, they're, address they're, any of these really tough questions. Well, they're, you know, God bless the New York Times. They're, they're peeling off individual stories off that, you know, what they know. They just did a wonderful piece out of, I think it was Montana, where they where they reported on a developer that couldn't develop because the, the folks in that county were, were protesting how much water that development would use. And, and the state, mm-hmm. you know, didn't give them the, the land use permit, didn't give them the development permit to do well, that. Well, I, I think that's, that's happening in Arizona now, as it should. Right. I mean, right. you know, we have to start thinking more than the next, you know, cycle of, uh, shareholder payouts, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you got to think a little farther ahead than five years or even 10. Well, what's really interesting is that, is that the Congress has been unable to negotiate a new farm bill. So it was supposed to be finished, you know, last year. Yeah. And Tom Vilsack, the secretary of agriculture, you know, was, was talking about the new census figures, which showed you know, that there are fewer farms and they're getting larger, there's, yeah. you know, and, and, and the CAFOs are getting, the, the livestock and poultry operations are getting larger. Of course, he's helped to make that happen because he also negotiated the Inflation Reduction Act, climate provisions that are moving yes, agriculture to energy. But he was, he was uh, uh, disturbed by the numbers that he was seeing, you know, what are we going to do? We have to do something about it. Well, he can't, he's having trouble negotiating a new farm bill because there's there's the Republicans are are uh, opposition to the farm bill is really just a small part of it that has to do with agriculture. A big part of it is food stamps, and I don't of remember what, I don't remember what what food stamps are currently called. Uh, so that's you know <laughs> the urban piece of this, the Democratic side of this, right? Is right. what the Republicans right. are objecting to. Right, but, but that means also that that how are these payments going to be made? For corn and others, I mean, they're going to use existing existing leg- legislation, uh, to, existing policy to pay farmers to do that. And the second thing is that a lot of money in that Inflation Reduction Act is for these best management practices, which don't right. work. So we'll be funneling more money to farmers for practices that don't work. It's it's what Chris Jones calls a money laundering scheme. <laughs> it's <laughs> worth billions. And, right. you know, the next time we talk, I think we'll talk about that, too, about what's happening. Yeah, I would like to practices. talk about best management because actually, Keith, I mean, it'll say something that it's about my personal life, which is that I'm there is across the nation. There are things called conservation districts and they work very closely with the natural resources uh, conservation Service. uh, services. Right. And RCS. Yeah. And I'm on my one of the three in Rhode Island on that board. And we take best management practices seriously. And we work a lot with NRCS to do that. Now, in Rhode Island, we obviously don't have the volume of farming um, that a a state like Iowa or Minnesota or Nebraska would have. Um, So, you know, our best practices 
probably are kind of useful. Um, but <laughs> you know, we're 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 all in for them across the board. Conservation districts support this very same, um, you know, legislative uh, fixes and money fixes to try to mitigate some of these problems that clearly, as we will soon discuss, um, don't have the same impact as we hope they will. Um, but before we go, because we will unfortunately have to wrap this up in a minute. So now that these three states are, you know, seem to be addressing some of these high rates of cancers, um, what, what do you think will, for example, Iowa, which has only been um, thwarting any stuff like this, will they will they continue to support this even if they hear bad news? Um, will uh, Nebraska prevail in identifying the sources for its uh, high incidence of pediatric cancers, for example? And by the way, why aren't those the same rates in other states that have the same level of nitrates, I'm wondering? Well, again, I say that the top 15 uh, states with the highest cancer incidence, five of them are in the Corn Belt. So they are showing this similar to not... Quite, right. uh, but if you look at the cancer incidents in those states, they're pretty close. I mean, Iowa's 46.8, but the, you know, there are others that are 46 point, you know, 47, 476.4. Uh -huh. So they're high. They're, they're much higher than the national cancer incidence of 403. And, and their pediatric, their pediatric uh, rates of cancer must be higher as well. And are birth you defects. seeing that? Yes. And birth yes. defects. And the birth aye, defects. Aye, aye. Yes. That's Nebraska's so showing significant birth defects, elevated birth defects rates. That's what they're looking at. Both pediatric cancers, they can identify it in Nebraska. As, you know, they have the highest pediatric cancer rate west of the Mississippi. And, wow. um, and then birth defects in Nebraska are significant, and they've been studying that. And this stuff is hard. I mean, you know, science. And then they have to justify it and confirm it. And then, yeah. then they have to get somebody to do something about it, right? Well, those are all, these are all generational changes, but maybe we're seeing the start of generational changes. Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, has a has a long history of progressive progressive activism on the environment and public health. Right. If they're if they're looking for best management practices to solve their nitrate problem, then it's not going to work. And if they can get their, you know, Tim Waltz, their their governor, to pay more attention to this, that would help. Um, but I think there has to be more civic restiveness, you know, actual public, you know, you know, activism in in places where people can gather and confront and you know and uphold leadership accountable for this stuff and they haven't been holding people accountable until just very recently and i'm i would i i've been told and i've seen it just in my own work that press attention media attention your attention to these kinds of issues are really significant because once people know they'll they'll start to take action until now i was iowans were just talking about the cancers among them you know he's got right. you know they, they where were they going to respond where was the place for them to respond and now there yeah. are places to, they can go to Austin Bay, you know, the physician right. in the house to, you know, to support his work. They can go to the senator, Senator Selsey, State Senator Selsey in, in Iowa and, and ask her, you know, demand that she, that she take action and hold the line. Mm -hmm. Iowa's kind of in the grip of maggot lunacy, right? <laughs> they are. I mean, didn't they just shut down an initiative to even study, uh, plant-based meat or cell-based yeah, yeah, meat yeah. production. It's like, what? Yeah. It's, it's really? Just, it's, I mean, I'm not a fan, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't support cell-based, you know, this plant meat, whatever. I don't think it's a useful, uh, you know, use of energy and, and, uh, and ingredients, but, uh, I think 
there's no reason why we shouldn't study it, right? But they got to shut that shut down. I mean, in woo. the colossus in the colossus of industrial agriculture. I mean, Iowa is the colossus of industrial agriculture. Yes, you want to see the model? Go to Iowa, right? I mean, yeah. they have so many hog farms there. They can't. They probably. They, it's hard to find a place to put a new hog operation in Iowa because they need to be certain amount of distance because the viruses that attack those animals they can right. spread to uh, you know other other hog installations. So. That's why the the hog sector is going into North Dakota, where I was last year, or in Wisconsin, right, right? or South Dakota, which is welcome. Or Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota. Anyway, woof. It's civic engagement is the answer to all of our problems. Totally. We just have to mobilize the civics. But we now have to stop. So, Keith, thank you so much for this. And thanks, as always, to our sponsor for supporting this radio station. Um, Thanks for my listeners for tuning in. We'll see you again soon. Keith, we'll be back with more to talk about BMPs in the next, uh, you know, month or so. And um, looking forward to that moment. It's always a joy, Keith. Thanks a lot for your time Katie, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate Appreciate it. it. And America America appreciates it. (laughs) (laughs) All whatever they are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's that for today. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week. What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.